0: Hey, and welcome to the This Week in Games, a podcast series from the fine people of Deconstructor of Fun. The concept of this podcast is simple. Your hosts are Joseph Kim and myself, Mishka Katkov. The goal of this podcast is to highlight and deconstruct a few of the most relevant news in games. Most importantly, we promise to aim to keep these podcast series episodes short. So hit us up on Twitter to let us know which news topics you want us to talk about, and hit the subscribe button to hear us deconstructing the latest news. Enjoy. Good day, JK. Right?
1: Yeah it's uh, it's about uh, almost noon for me over here. Uh, you know, here in uh, Glendale. But, um, yeah, what,
0: what time is it for for you? Uh, it's It's pretty late, but I like doing these recordings late, and I want to welcome everybody to Twig Five. so we're on our fifth episode and, awesome and, and and before we started, you just said that you were you feel really confident about this one, right? <laughs> not, not, not confident oh not yeah. confident yeah yeah, yeah.
1: We, we, yeah wish uh, wish I would have spent a little bit more time going through the articles, but i I, I think we'll be fine,
0: you know, yeah. So what are we talking about? Four things, right? Yep. You. Want, what are we talking about?
1: Okay, sure. I'll I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, so first, we've got an article about uh, the Chinese uh, games industry and how Chinese games actually raked in more than six hundred million in the U.S. for the first half of 2018 alone. The second is culture clash: why Arena of Valor is struggling in America. The third is about Discord and their their new uh their their new uh, game store. So Discord sets sights on Steam, adds free games, launches online store. And finally we're going to wrap it up with four, Knights of Fury is the latest game from King, but it's not what you'd expect, which is more of a mid-core title. We'll, we'll jump into that in a little bit more. I
0: detail. love that the the last title. I just love it. That's a very interesting title. <laughs> like, that is the most clickbaity title out of these all. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what do you want to start with?
1: Uh, well, we could start with the first one uh, the, about Chinese games. And uh-huh. uh, I, I'll go ahead and just kind of summarize what we know from the article. And basically what this article is talking about is, uh, again, Chinese games, kind of uh, different from the past in this year, has made over $600 million in the U.S. market, uh, which accounts for a 52% increase year over year from 2017. Um, so not only an increase in revenue, but also when you look at downloads, downloads have also increased by 54%, which, um, which is about 200 million installs. And in particular, in, in terms of like looking at the download picture and the revenue picture, what we're seeing from a download pr- perspective is that there were two games in particular that the article noted, which is Tencent's PUBG Mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as NetEase's Terminator 2, which were um, two of the top games for, for downloads. And on the revenue side, uh, the top three games were number one, Guns of Glory by FunPlus. Number two was IGG's Lord's Mobile. And number three was King of Avalon, but when, uh, also from FunPlus. But when you think about it, Guns of Glory and King of Avalon are essentially this, this, the same game. These are you know sort of 4X March battle type games. Um, all off of the same engine, although I, I know that engine is going to be updated. And so, you know, um, I, I know both you and I were at FunPlus. Yeah. So it's it's good to see those guys doing well. And um, you know, just I just gotta say, wh- whoever whoever that guy was l- that led the team on King of Avalon must must be like a like a badass.
0: <laughs> see, I, I I'm super happy about about the team. I'm super happy about all these games that that I, I mean. Yeah, I, I was there when they started flying off, and and um, I would love to talk more about the Fun Plus and how they run it, but I can't. I I'm just, <laughs> so I'm just gonna skip that part. Uh, yeah. But awesome games, definitely. People download Guns of Glory download download King of Avalon, and the lead is phenomenal for sure. Uh, this is a, this is an interesting uh, interesting piece on 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 Chinese games uh, succeeding in the West. But what's really interesting about that is when we look at these three games that are top grossing in the West: Guns of Glory, King of Avalon, and uh, Lord's Mobile. They're actually not that big in China, so they're big in the West. They come from the East, but they're not big in the East.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that it, that is an interesting point. I, I do feel like that type of game, in terms of like the you know the the 4x March battle game, is definitely like a genre that. You know um that that does really well in the western markets and I, we've we, we've talked before about like the difference between like higher twitch more micro based games versus higher strategy more macro based games and 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 that you know at least to date the um, you know the shift has been more, Micro for the for the East and macro for the West, but um, yeah, I don't know. In, in terms of like this particular year, in terms of 2018, what do you think, Mishka? Do you think that it's you know this year is an anomaly, or do you think that we'll continue to see sort of increased growth of Chinese games here in the Western market?
0: Well, I, I think we're going to see the increase, and and I base it on on the fact that a lot of things that that are coming into the Western games. Uh, especially, you know, we talked about a lot about 4X in, in this case. Sorry, about top-grossing 4X games, and and when we think about the machine zone, the rise of machine zones through Game of War and then Mobile Strike, uh, it's pretty, you know, it's it's well-known fact that. Gabriel Layden, the uh, the CEO of, of of Machine Zone, he was very much inspired by these Chinese games, and he yes. kind of brought them to to the West. So what we are now seeing is, well, Chinese are they don't need Gabriel to bring their games to the West; they can do it themselves. So that's that's kind of a the trend that we're seeing. But but there is there is a huge you know there's some games in China that are just huge in China, and that's the next article we're going to talk about. And um, and some games just work in the West, and now the Chinese are bringing them up, bringing them in
1: right. yeah, you yeah, actually that's that that's actually a really good point. Um, uh, I actually know the guy who took uh, Gabriel Layden to China to study the Chinese games. and if you remember at the time when game of War was coming out, um it was like the Hobbit and then
0: for, yes. versus game of war. it was, it was the Kabam era.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and really the big difference was exactly what you, you talked about. It was taking VIP and some of those mechanics from the Chinese games, integrating them into Game of War. And that's what really allowed um, Game of War to have a higher LTV than The Hobbit and, and to be able to kind of compete and dominate at that time.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I, I oh, just I gave you like a, the, the way I'm saying it is I remember like maybe five, six years ago. Um, there was some event, some gaming event in San Francisco and I was having a chat with, with Gabriel and they, you know, they, they had launched uh, Game of War not that recently, but maybe it was like a half a year old. It wasn't top grossing by then, but it was definitely perennial top 10 game. Yeah. And I remember him being super excited about these Chinese, me- you know, game mechanics regarding monetization. And and he was describing a lot of things on, on how the Chinese game developers really innovate on monetization. He was talking about some systems that were just, you know, they're just banned, but we, we couldn't do that here. But but definitely like their innovation, we're really thinking about re-engagement features. We're thinking about controls. We're thinking about core gameplay. They are thinking about monetization, just straight up monetization. There's there's no road to monetization through retention. It's monetization. So right, so, right. Um, so that, that was fascinating. And, and that's, you know, I, I know he was really excited about those those elements.
1: Yeah, and just speaking more strategically, I think there's two things that I like to point out, um, especially in the context of this of this article. Is is first when you when you think about PUBG and Terminator 2 as like you know the top downloaded Chinese games, um, it speaks to like this trend that we've we've also discussed before about like high micro games on mobile for the Western market and uh, Fortnite certainly kind of prove that you can have that kind of game be successful in in Western markets. But, you know, I'm, you know, it, it does, you know, sort of um, speak to whether there has been a more fundamental shift to the, the higher micro games in, 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 Western markets. Mm. Uh, The second thing that, that I think is interesting about this is when you think about the development model and the development model that has like, that can work for Asia to bring games to the Western market uh, there's a model that I I call the leads model, and and basically when when we think about you know games like King of Avalon and Guns of Glory, like what FunPlus did well, um, and and you know I'm able to speak to that because I was there, is is basically finding key leads. So like finding like you know the studio lead or, or the game design lead or the technical lead from the West and bringing them to Asia to to you know to to really uh, drive those teams and, and to establish the leadership on, on those teams in, in, in the specific functional disciplines. Mm-hmm. And the theory is, is that, you know, if even if you have like a, you know, um, like a C or B minus team, if you can get like an A, A plus lead, you can really lift the, the um, you know, sort of the grade of the entire team. And when you think about what PUBG Corp did with PUBG, I mean, they basically found Brendan Green, they, they took him to Korea, and he was a lead on that game. And so I, I do think that, you know, an interesting sort of model that I I believe can find more success in Asia is this lead-based model.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's... um. It's funny that, that a lot of Western developers don't have this mindset in a way that we look at certain games, we like to deconstruct them and we think that by deconstructing oh, goddamn, we do deconstruct a lot of games, like I personally do it. But but I don't think that if, when I deconstruct a game, I'm I'm able to, you know, do it better than the person who did that game. So of course the most effective model, if you have the cash, is to just buy that 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 lead and right. level up your game and, and you know chinese do it in other industries as well it's not in games but but definitely this model functions in games as well just pay pay the woman or pay the man and level up your game and and continue from that
1: right so moving on to article two mm-hmm. uh, why arena valor is struggling in america could you take that mishka
0: yeah, so this article, as well as the previous one, is from Game Industry Biz, and it's called Culture Clash, Why Arena of Valor is Struggling in America by Jeff Su, who is a general manager at Americas at Admin- Mintegral. I'm not sure what, what kind of company I, that I is. I know
1: how to pronounce that as well. <laughs>
0: Um, but Jeff Su wrote a powerful article, and this is interesting because it's kind of like a nice segue from the previous one where we can see that the Chinese games are racking up $600 million in the in the in the Western market, and they're really growing. Well, the thing is, the biggest game in China, uh, is it the biggest still? I think it is, uh, Honor of Kings or Arena of Valor, as it's called in the West. It generated $1.9 billion in revenue. Boasted 200 million active players in China alone, it became a focus of a new esports initiative called King Pro League. So it has its own pro league for esports, uh, and even it went so far that Tencent had to restrict younger players from playing it because they're, because government concerns about its impact. So it was a cultural phenomena a size of a Fortnite in, in China. Nevertheless, this game has been disappointment in the West and. You know, when we look at the overall revenue numbers that I pulled from the uh, the Sensor Tower, we can see that 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 you know a little bit less than than fifty percent of the downloads comes from China over over the last twelve months, but ninety five percent of the revenue is from China. And then you start looking at the top ten grossing countries. So, well, let well not when ninety five percent of the revenue comes in from China, that that's basically a Chinese game. But nevertheless, the second biggest country in terms of revenue is Thailand. I, I that, that's crazy. Like, we, 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 and the third one is Taiwan. Fourth one is Hong Kong. Fifth one is Vietnam. And US is at number six out of all the top grossing countries, generating only about, you know, between two, about two and a half million of revenues, according to to Tower. data. it can be, you know, we know these numbers to throw around a little bit, but that's not a big number to let's say 3 million over the course of 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 a year that's a that's a tiny game in the U.S. Right. So we can see that it's a disappointment in the in the West and 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 what the uh, the writer makes makes certain comments that that uh, I'm just going to quote him. So Jeff is saying, uh, "Quote: Why then is Arena Valor struggling in the U.S. Partially, it's a victim to market trends, but mostly it's a game loss in translation." By being stripped of China's unique cultural and market context, Arena of Valor lost much of what had made Honor of King's work and has suffered in the process. So I, I want to a little bit argue this one because I pulled in a couple of other MOBAs and I looked at their revenues. And these two MOBAs are Bangalore. Well, naturally, that's the Western MOBA. And then I pulled in Mobile Legends, which is another Chinese developer. And, and when we look at the Mobile Legends uh, numbers, you know, they, they racked up over 100 million revenue last year. We're talking about like 110, 120, depending on on how accurate these numbers are. But when I start looking at the top countries, the US is number two, and and they made uh, you know about 13 million in revenue in the US, which is what five times more than five six times more than than um than Arena of Valor. So it's not it's it's not as clear of a definition that 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 Arena of Valor is is very China specific because there's there's uh, there's other games other other uh, chinese games that are succeeding with with that are very similar and overall jeff makes kind of the point that um, he makes like four four reasons why arena valor hasn't succeeded in in the west and number one he mentions it's an unfortunate release date because it was released so close to fortnite battlegrounds i don't buy that i mean we 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 didn't the fortnite really blew out in may on, that's when it launched and that's when it, you know became a phenomenon but arena of valor was in soft launch for almost a year and it launched it it had a hard launch in late 2017 so that puts it over a quarter before fortnite and as we know in mobile things move fast and there wasn't you know there wasn't this 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 message that oh pubg is coming to mobile or fortnite is coming to mobile like like some fans knew about it but but you know they weren't there so so i don't buy the unfortunate release date at all the second one, the second reason is it was genre choice fits much more naturally with the Chinese market than with the American market. That one, I totally buy because Riot's League of Legends is huge in China. Dota is is very big in China, so I understand that that a game that is on a on a handheld device. Uh, can function well in, in, in China because not a lot of people probably have, like, this is just my assumption, but I assume that not a lot of people are so accustomed to PC gaming. So, you know, access to to uh, to great Android phones might be uh, much, much more likely. And then they don't have the, the option of choosing whether I'm going to play Re- Riot's League of Legends or Arena of Valor. It's just like Riot League of Legends is just an internet cafe. So I just don't have the, 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 uh, the access to it. Number three, as a reason, he he mentions Tencent QQ, WeChat, and Huya, or oh, I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's basically the uh, the 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 the, the, uh, the Twitch of China, and that that alone is the biggest reason why Arena Valor is such a big thing in 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 China, because as like as any game developer knows, if you can get free traffic, crazy amount of free traffic. That's gonna grow your game. It doesn't matter what, what kind of game it is. I mean, you know, in this case, it's a powerful MOBA game. And as we know, in MOBAs, the average revenue per player is very, very low. And it, and really, it when when you get the traffic almost for free, that's how you're gonna grow the, uh, the the business. So so I think you know. He he mentions that as a fourth reasons is that the vast majority of Honor of Kings rosters is heroes drawn from Chinese history and mythology. I don't I don't really buy that. I don't. I'm. I'm I, they have Superman's. They have Batman's. They have Jokers. Come on, it's like the their, their rosters looks very close to, to um to even League of Legends. They have similar characters in League of Legends. All those monkeys and, and whatnot. They're they're almost almost the same. They're like fantasy themed. So. So I, I'd say there's there's one reason, and that is that Tencent owns the distribution channel. And when you own the distribution channel, you can grow a game with very low average revenue per user. And because they didn't have the same access to free users in the West, they weren't able to blow that game up.
1: Right. You know, a couple of other interesting things, just, just kind of looking at um, some some of the the data from, from the game is in terms of the Western market. It was, it's so surprising to me that Mobile Legends was able to sort of... You know gain much more success than Vainglory in the U.S. market. Now, now both Mobile Legends and Vainglory are doing sort of better in the U.S. market than Arena Valor, but you know, surprising that given Vainglory's head start, how Mobile Legends was was able to kind of you know sort of out out compete Vainglory for the U.S. market. I I, I thought that was. Uh,
0: but but when you look at the downloads, they actually have more downloads, and then uh, I I just I just my assumption is that they have been much more active in user acquisition, whereas Vainglory has been trusting. Uh, they, they've they kind of pushed their growth through community. They've pushed it through the platform. They've pushed it through the eSports. So they use different channels than traditional user acquisition versus uh, Mobile Legends they just pushed the traditional user. I, I saw a ton of ads on YouTube another one. So So they were using that channel. And the other one is what they did smart was they saw how Honor of Kings was blowing up in China. Uh, and this Muntan. is a Chinese company. Was it Moonlight or, or Moon? Moonton. Uh, Moonton uh, probably has nothing to do with Moon, but <laughs> this is <cool. laughs> But but anyway, uh, Moonton saw how how the game was blowing up in China. They're like, hey, let's make the same game, but let's let's uh, let let us go to APAC. So they kind of covered those countries around China and got their base there, and naturally, you know, took a took a piece in in, in the uh in the uh, the Western market. But as we know, in MOBAs overall, it's it's China and Asia-Pacific that is the uh, the key market area. And Vainglory was pushing hard in the West. And they were kind of banking on being the League of Legends of mobile, but starting off from the West instead of focusing where the real market is.
1: Right. I think the the, the last thing that's kind of curious for me is just that, you know, be, based, because of the Tencent relationship, uh, my understanding is that, you know, Tencent is is, is paying a license to Riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, for um you know arena of valor anyway. So why not just push that relationship even further and use like have it be League of Legends branded? I, I think that would definitely have helped them, you know, be a lot more successful in, in, in the West. But um I, I mean I can certainly understand some hesitation from, from Riot to do that. But yeah. um, you know, if I'm Tencent, I, I would have tried to push for it uh just just given um you know that they're they're paying a license anyway.
0: Yeah, but but I think it's it's better to just give Riot the uh, the opportunity to build their mobiles themselves. Uh, you know, you don't want to you don't want because Riot is is one of their crown jewels. Yeah, and you don't want to kind of mess with them. So, <laughs> so, let, so you know, if somebody's bringing two billion dollars a year, uh, if I were ten cent uh, you know, as they're doing the right thing, they'd be like, "Hey guys, you do you," and like it doesn't <laughs> like whatever's going on. Keep it going on, even even with the latest news. You know what? As long as the checks are coming in, <laughs> I'm looking at past. Um, yeah. So so um, I think I think they're 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 playing it smart. They're they're definitely playing it from 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 you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it.
1: Right.
0: But but yeah, uh, that's that's the mobas. Do we have anything else on that?
1: Uh, not not for me.
0: So so let's let's move to another one. Discord sets aside on Steam. Adds free games, launches an online store. I know nothing about this. So can you please educate me?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 talk about what we know. So for for, for some of the listeners who don't know Discord, uh, it's it's an online chat and video service used by quite a large number of users, about 150 million users. Although for me personally, I don't know a whole lot of people that use Discord a lot besides like hardcore gamers, but it certainly seems like they've got a lot of traction.
0: It's it's hardcore games, and I just want to mention one thing it's by the because it relates perfectly to the article that we just discussed okay. it's by the same guys that made fates forever that's which right was the first kind of a MOBA on yeah. the west and that was there was the, the, their their whole company communication was exactly what vainglory has it's like disrupting the gaming market killing the farming games we're gonna go hardcore the time is now get your iPads ready let's play <laughs> a hardcore MoBA game but these guys, this this must be like among the top 10 pivots in the gaming industry. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they go from from a not that great of a MOBA to gotten <laughs> fantastic service and now they're becoming an online store. So so please continue.
1: Yeah, so like what we know so far is that they recently launched a beta program currently only in Canada for now. And I think they, it's it's been turned on to like 50,000 randomly selected customers. But, you know, it, it's basically like Steam, except they also have a service where, you know, there's a paid membership uh, for a number of free titles, um, very similar to, to to what, you know, PlayStation uh, does for, for their store as well. Um, and they're also adding like a universal game launching tab from within Discord so you can easily launch. Games as as, as, as that you have purchased as part of this, and the thinking is that similar to the other stores, they want to take a thirty percent cut. And um, just to get a sense of the market for Steam itself, you know, so Steam reports one hundred twenty-five million users, eighteen thousand games for sale. And in 2017, um, 7,600 games were released on Steam for an estimated 4.3 billion in sales. So this is a pretty pretty good market in terms of you know just just having this uh, sort of games um, digital retail store. Um, and 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 so like the question now is like you know how how effective can uh, Discord be in in terms of like disrupting this the Steam market. And kind of the rumors are that they've got you know um, Discord has has their sites not only on the PC space but also on the mobile space as well.
0: Mm. People are going hard against platforms now, and I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: Google uh, Play go with the Fortnite, and now uh, was it Bethesda that that went over Steam and, and EA setting up Origin, and yeah. now Discord is 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 putting the same thing in, and they're like, well, listen, you can get the games from here. Right. Um, this, is, this is interesting. And, and I understand them because they have, they have their, what, 150 million users. Yeah. They have their 150 million users and they're probably at some point their investors like, okay guys, so how about we start monetizing right, like right about now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's yeah. the best thing is like, well, let's, let's just start selling games because most of these users, they use discord to communicate inside the games or, or I don't know. I don't use your discord, but I believe it's, a, it's, it started off from Fates Forever because because they had this this yep. voiceover thing that that you can talk with others. It didn't work too well because you know I played Fates Forever a lot, but but um, apparently they've they've gotten it to a good point where you can actually use it and and play games using using Discord. So so they're trying to monetize that user base. But why that thirty percent? I don't get it. Like why is everybody going after a thirty percent cut? That's a yeah. lot of money.
1: Yeah, and you know, we'll see as as more competitors enter the space because I, I I do think that you know Steam's been kind of um the the king of of sort of the the you know PC digital mm-hmm. retail store, but I, I do think it it's it's a really good market to go after, and I believe it will get disrupted pretty soon, if not by Discord, then by some of the other players. But if you look at the competition so far, it hasn't been very strong. Like, you know, you you mentioned EA's origin which is exclusive to EA. And honestly, no one I know uses this uh, frequently. Um, there's Uplay, which is Ubisoft's platform. There's Battle.net. So, you know, if, you're, if you want to get a Blizzard title, you're going to use that. But that's not, that's not the, the main platform that you're going to use to get all of your sort of PC games or, 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 or other games. And then there's uh, GOG, which is from CD Projekt Red. But the issue there is that, you know, they're DRM-free, which I'm sure will scare off some, some population of the, uh, the developer audience. So like the competition there has not been so strong. And what I foresee, you know, in my opinion is that, you know, steam's been on top, but I I do think if not discord, that somebody else will be coming in and, you know, this is going to be like a Facebook will come in. Whereas in in my opinion, steam, steam is my space, just speaking honestly. And, um, so I actually have a question for you, Mishka. I'm, I'm going to name some potential competitors to enter this space. And uh, maybe you can tell me of, of the competitors entering that that I name, which one you think has the chance to be the most successful. So option one, Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Option two, Twitch.
0: Or Amazon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, or Amazon, yeah. <laughs> but, through, but through Twitch. Yeah. Uh, Option three, GameStop. Option four, Epic. Option five, Google, or maybe even a Google Plus Unity Play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and option six would be uh, Tencent, uh, sort of you know their their uh, their their uh, Chinese platform. I forgot yeah. what that was called.
0: I would say I would say Tencent in China definitely they will win the game any day, and I mean they're winning the game. So that would be the, the, their, their Steam, their China Steam would be the one. And what I understand is they are deep into analyzing all the Steam, gaze, Steam games and Steam platform. Is like they have tons of analysts just going through all the Steam games and, and then, you know, basically rebuilding the Steam there. Um, out of all these games, who would be the best com- competitor and who would, you know, give the toughest challenge? It's going to be Twitch and or, I mean, Amazon through Twitch. Um, just because of the user base that the Twitch has, just because people are already watching the games, and what's the better thing than you're watching game and, and buying that game? And because it's so easy for the companies to actually use the influencers to sell their game, they're already making free promos for them. So, so it's 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 a good combination uh, that that will definitely work. And you know, it's 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 clear we've seen the you know we've seen the job ads, we've seen we've heard the rumors. We know that Twitch is, is going to this direction hard. And it just, it's just about a time when they execute on it because, you know, they, they were sold for what, $1 billion and Amazon has invested a lot with, into them. So right. they're expecting to recuperate their investments pretty soon. And I think Twitch will will be very aggressive on this front.
1: Yeah. You know, one one thing, and you kind of already answered this question, but like uh, in, in terms of the, the 10 cent Tencent um, tie up with um, with Riot, but you know, you can imagine like if if they had the ability to better leverage Riot through um, TenCents, um, you know, sort of Steve, Steam competitor. Like if you could only download League of Legends through that platform, or even if you, they they made it so that you got a free character if, mm-hmm. if you were to download uh, League of Legends from there, I mean, they they could they could definitely like really wipe up but um yeah you know, too
0: bad that riot is riot game and not riot. <laughs> uh, yeah. and there's but 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 on the other hand that's what valve has done, done with steam that's their dota and they they've been able to again you know dota even underprices uh, um, league of legends by not even selling the, the the heroes everything is unlocked right away so i don't I can't imagine how low their average revenue per user is but but then again it's it's free users. So we go back to low ARP DAO or low ARP average revenue per user on for MOBAs, and, and you need that channel. You need those free users.
1: Okay, should we go to our final article?
0: Let's go. Let's talk about Knights of Fury. Uh, this is this is a beautiful title. Uh, it's from the Up to Down blog, and the title is Knights of Fury. It's the latest game from King, but it's not what you expect. God damn it. It's a great one. Uh, <laughs> I wish I wrote that. Uh, so quickly about Knights of Fury, because that's not the focus of this. So uh, uh, Knights of Fury is an action RPG game. The gameplay is similar to Infinity Blade from Epic Games. Uh, the combat is more of a turn-based, though, so it's not as synchronous uh, as, as, as the, uh, the Epic Games Infinity Blade. Uh, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the art style is great. Uh, it, it's very, uh, very characteristic you know it's it's very unique it kind of reminds me of that um that console game that i just forgot what the name of the game is but it was the the one where it was it called journey it kind of has that 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 sort of a like uh, low poly type of art style um there's tons of customization to the characters that is saga saga style map energy mechanics so if you want to see what the game looks like either go to up to down blog or type into YouTube Nights of Fury, or if you have an Android phone, you can just download the game. So what's, not, what's interesting is not the game that is developed by... by Who's it developed by? Midoki. Midoki. So yeah. You yeah, can, they're a studio based out in Leamington Spa in the UK. That's, that's true. That's true. And they did Plunder Pirates before. Uh, so it's not only developed by the, 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 the powerful Midoki from Spa... Lemington spot that sounds great place uh but but what's more interesting is is that it's it's king and king entering entering mid-core once again and now it looks like they have a different type of strategy so before that we know their emergent acquisitions they bought singapore based studio Nonstop games and they bought z2 live from seattle uh non-stop games had had a strategy game and they were kind of developing other other type of games but they closed down that studio and then z2 live was was the seattle based developer known for battle nation trade nations before that and they were developing rise of tyrants and that rise of tyrants was in soft launch for like a year and a half and that's that's a king's thing they keep their games simmering in soft launch for a really long time it never launched we we saw some layoffs in, in z2 live so that wasn't too successful of a thing so King is back. They're back to mid-core. They're trying to break into the market. And naturally, that's, that's, where, you know, that's where about like 50%, almost 50% of the revenue on mobile is from mid-core games. So it's understandable that they're trying to enter this category. They are doing something internally. We've seen the job ads for Call of Duty. So that's internal development. Very weird uh, thing to take internally, but now they're also publishing midcore games. So they they're trying to enter by force, and they're tr- they're they're doing Legend of Solgrad. That's one of the games that that's been in self launch for almost a year, and and this seems to be the second one. So this this um Knights Fury. So a very interesting strategy. They they're doing the dual strategy in the sense that they're making the the, the coolest game, the biggest hypees internally. That's what it feels, and the other ones they're just Aggressively publishing uh, through their uh, mid-core publishing arm.
1: Right. Yeah, I remember when I looked at the. So when I looked at the article, um, I saw the picture of the game, and I was like, you know, I've seen this game before. And then I, I realized, yeah, it was the Midoki game. I, it seems like King acquired these guys, but to your point, it seems as they're also doing something internal. So it seems like they're they're trying to mix it up. Go out, acquire some some core do some internal development midcore, and try and try to figure out what what works for them.
0: They acquired Midoking.
1: Uh, I would assume. I mean, the game was already fi- uh, finished, so I assume that if this is being labeled as a King game, I.
0: I know, think they, that they were they were
1: independent when I saw the game.
0: Uh, yeah, about no, a year they're too. still independent. I just opened up their. Oh, their, are they? Their, yeah. So, so that's okay. Oh, so thing. they're just
1: publishing this game. Yeah. Then.
0: So they're publishing. That's what I'm saying. Is is that their strategy oh, is see, very di- different? They uh-huh. have actually a large i don't know I, I don't know if it's a large team i assume with king everything is large i assume that it's a large <laughs> team uh, uh, Yeah, yeah book itself the
1: i don't think is that big I, I i believe they were less than 20 when i
0: when yeah I yeah so so it so it, it has to be um yeah it doesn't say that that king has bought them and king hasn't got done it. done anything yeah,
1: I'll, I'll try to listen a little more carefully <laughs> next no, no. <about>
0: <laughs> no it's, it's um it, yeah it's it's a very interesting thing so they're they're Internally developing Call of Duty. I don't know if they're doing anything else internally. I'm sure they they haven't had their hands on Blizzard titles. Everybody wants those, but probably you know they they probably get their hands on the Activision titles. So so they are working Call of Duty, but everything else, like all these you know fun mid core games, whether they're strategy, whether they're RPG, uh, whatever it is, seems to go through their publishing arm. Right. What do you think about yeah, that? That, that uh, I, like
1: I, think, I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen is with and we, we talked about sort of Facebook, AEO and kind of user acquisition a little bit last week. But, you know, one of the things that we're discovering is that um, in, in order to gain competitive advantage, the more data that you have, including like, um, you know, information about or data about users, um, users who have paid and the bigger the network that that you develop. Um, the stronger you're going to be. so I, I think that there's probably um, within King, um, you know an acknowledgement that in order to be really successful and to be able to scale more later, that you know having this publishing function, um, getting practice with user acquisition against midcore games and then getting that that large database of data is is, is going to help them compete in the future is is, is my take on it.
0: Mm, mm. that's That's an interesting take uh i'm my take is is much more simplistic. I think they're just they're 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 just trying to break that nut. they're trying to grow their business <laughs> and they they've had a lot of trouble in 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 growing in in launching successful casual games successful by their standard everything's successful but but King's standard has to be a billion dollar game that that's that's what they're doing so so they they are also I believe that's that's the reason and they're trying to like it's a public company so they're trying to increase the revenue year after year quarter after quarter and that's when you're going after after these type of deals so so you're trying to find the next uh the next element for growth and when we look at their merger acquisition strategies you know they they paid a lot for those companies they paid a lot for Z two Live they paid a lot for for nonstop games um and and they they didn't really bring them. What they wish for they they haven't had their 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 success in mid-core games at all they haven't even been launching mid-core games at all despite doing these acquisitions so so they're they're now trying to enter both by by internally developing um in their in their um crown jewel of a studio of stockholm and as well as as well as just looking at what sticks and as you said as to to the data just looking at what what works on on in mid-core and in mobile so that's 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 my take on it it's a, it's a it's definitely an interesting approach um publishing is is hard and and it it seems like these contracts because it's published by king under king's name so so they are they're taking a more more clearer pr- approach i haven't seen the contracts naturally and i can't speak of those but it, it seems like you know the contracts will will lead to something positive for for the uh for the developer and they want to work with king because you know, that's a, that's a good company to be a part of. Yep. That's okay. That's it. So I think we did pretty well, despite you worrying that we would, we would bomb this.
1: (laughs) Well, I I, I worried I would bomb this. (laughs) (laughs) You're, You're always solid. So Anyway, uh, thank
0: you sir uh, as well. And and uh, I was I was talking today about about the uh the podcast somebody was, you know, oh, the twig. And <laughs> they, they they said the twig. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the twig. And uh, they're like, yeah, so how like how do you have time to do it? And the thing is, this is great. I'm getting half of the news digested for me by you. <laughs> and they're, they're usually the news that are very difficult to go through, and I go only through the half of them and I get to dive deep into the fun news of of like MOBAs and rpg games and then publishing and king and you know all my forte so so this this is this is great and i can't wait for the next week
1: sounds good all right until next week then catch everybody later
0: yeah keep the comments coming and remember to subscribe and remember to give the feedback later guys